Well, it's that time of year again. Projects are in full swing, and you know what that means. you got to make that trip up to Jacob's Supply. Whether you're a contractor or builder, or you're checking those things off the to-do list around the house, now is the time to visit Jacob's Supply. Guys, listen to some of the crazy good deals they have going on right now. PVC decking for $2.99 a linear foot in 10 different colors. Composite decking for $2.35 a linear foot in two colors. Treated decking for $0.65 a linear foot. Duralife composite rail kits available in select colors starting at $64.99. And don't forget the vinyl rail kits also available in stock. Need the fasteners? They have those too. Hidden or visible? Clips or screws. Jacob Supply is located in Temperance, Michigan, but ships many products nationally too. So whether you're in-state or out-of-state, they're just a click or call away. Check them out at www.jacobsupply.com or call them at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978 or click the link in the description of this episode. Jacob Supply, your one-stop shop for products you need at prices you love. Hey guys, you got to join us at the Thank God for Bitcoin 2024 conference in Rocket Town, Nashville, July 24th and 25th. Last year was phenomenal and this year is going to be even better. G.K. Chesterton once said, I never discuss anything else except politics and religion. There is nothing else to discuss. Given how secular our current world is, this might sound strange. We can think of many things that don't initially seem political, but whether we recognize it or not, religion and politics define the playing surface and rules that govern our lives and actions. And money is one of the most powerful tools in enacting the wills of both government and God. Although we all use it, few Christians have a rich, biblically grounded, historically informed framework through which to understand what money is, and consequently the effect it necessarily has on how we think about economic issues. Well, that won't fly at this conference. We're talking stewardship, dominion, and the economics of glory with some of the biggest names around. Speakers include Michael Foster, C.R. Wiley, Dr. Ben Merkel, Dr. Glenn Sunshine, Nate Fisher, Jordan Bush, and many, many more. You won't want to miss this lineup. This is one of the most intellectually powerful theologically sound, and all-around good-time conferences you can go to this summer. So go to www.tgfb.com, that's Thank God for Bitcoin, www.tgfb.com, and get your tickets today, or click on the link in the description of this episode. See you there, guys. Christians, are you tired of just talking about starting a parallel economy and not doing anything about it? The Workspace Conference is the catalyst you've been waiting for. Join us this June 28th and 29th at the Hilton in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Engage with leading Christian thinkers like David Bonson, C.R. Wiley, Steve Jeffrey, David Reese, and Andrew Krapyshevs. They'll share invaluable insights on how to actively integrate your faith with your professional life in ways that really matter. These leaders are not just thinkers, but doers, shaping a Christian approach to business that makes a real impact. This event is more than speeches. It's a vibrant networking hub for Christian professionals and entrepreneurs eager to create substantial change. It's an opportunity to forge meaningful connections, explore new business opportunities, and collaborate in a faith-driven environment. Don't miss the highlight of our networking opportunities, the exclusive speakers dinner. This is a premier event where you can dine with our speakers and other influential guests, deepening relationships and discussing ideas in an intimate setting. We are also actively seeking partners who are passionate about building a Christian economy. If you're interested in collaborating or sponsoring, we'd love to hear from you. And make sure you join us for Beer and Psalms for some relaxed fellowship and let's turn our faith into action together. So reserve your spot now at www.worksbase.com That's worksbase.com or click the link in the description of this episode and be part of building a dynamic Christian professional community. Let's move beyond talk, fellas, and start creating the change we want to see. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is sponsored by Greg Moore at Informed Solutions Realty. 
With over 50,000 residential, commercial, and property valuation transactions completed, Informed Solutions Realty is your premier real estate brokerage in Michigan. Whether you're buying or selling a home or business, Greg Moore at Informed Solutions Realty can help you. And right now, all Dead Men Walking listeners will receive a complimentary property valuation report, which is a $100 value. Visit www.gregmoore.realtor or call 734-731-GREG for more information on how much your property is worth and how you can get it sold fast. That's www.gregmoore.realtor or call 734-731-GREG. Dead Men Walking is also sponsored by Meriwether Farm. As followers of Christ, we are called to feed the poor, show compassion and mercy, and make disciples of Him. And that's exactly what Meriwether Farm does. Through farm and food ministries, Meriwether Farm is dedicated to serving the underprivileged and those in need in their community, showing the love of Christ and making Christ known. Meriwether Farm is a nonprofit charity that fulfills its kingdom mission by partnering with listeners like you. For more information on how you can get involved or donate, visit www.mwfarmministries.org. That's www.mwfarmministries.org. We are also brought to you by Threads Baby Boutique. Hand-sewn and made right here in the USA, Threads Baby Boutique Etsy shop is a must-visit. With unique clothes and accessories for infants, toddlers, and young children, you're sure to find the perfect ensemble at the Threads Baby Boutique. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Why not bless them with this perfect gift and see what thousands of satisfied customers are talking about? Visit www.etsy.com and search Threads Baby Boutique or connect with them on Facebook at Threads Baby Boutique. And now, back to Dead Men Walking. Exploring Theology doctrine and all of the fascinating subjects in between (laughs) broadcasting from an undisclosed location dead men walking starts now well hello everyone welcome to the very first episode of dead men walking i am greg moore your host um, I have a very special guest with me today, Jason Hamlin. How you doing, Jason? How's it going, everybody? We're going to get into his story in a little bit, but first I just want to explain a little bit about what this podcast was about. Um, for those of you who haven't linked up with me on Instagram or Facebook, which uh, you can find us at Dead Men Walking Podcast, both on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, um, a lot of people reached out to me and said, well, what, what's that name all about, Dead Men Walking? And it really comes from one of my favorite passages in Ephesians, Second Ephesians 1 through 6, where Paul is making a juxtaposition of us being dead in our sins, enslaved to sin, and then Christ coming, raising us up, uh, and seating us in heavenly and priestly places. So that's kind of where the... Um, the name of the podcast comes from. I've walked uh, through my walk with Christ and my sanctification process, realizing that we are all dead in our sins until um, Christ decided to, uh, you know, show, show us his uh, glory and the work on the cross was uh, done in our lives. So Amen. Jason, it's so good to see you. Jason's a, Oh man, he's a crazy kind of guy. He's got, uh, all, yeah, <laughs> he's got, <laughs> he's got a really cool past. Uh, We've known each other off and on for quite a long time. Yeah. He's a yeah. um, internationally touring musician. He's been in Japan. He's been in the United States, Eastern Europe, all over the place. Very talented musician. Also um, a brother in Christ 
and just an all-around great guy. And I wanted to have him on the podcast because this podcast is going to be very conversational. You know, I've done other things where it's question, answer, kind of interview style, but I just wanted to bring other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, into the studio and really focus on doctrinal issues, theology issues, maybe even testimonial stuff, and all the uh, very interesting things in between, maybe the the good times, the bad times, the struggles, the opportunities we have as followers of Christ, and just kind of, you know, do the biblical thing of iron sharpening iron, mm-hmm. lifting each other up in encouragement, as the New Testament says. So, um, Jason, it's so good to have you here. It's uh, good to be here, man. And um, I don't know, we'll see how this goes, but I feel like this isn't going to be uh, Jay's first or last time. I think he's, he might be yeah. hanging around a little bit more because um, offline, I know we had a conversation mm-hmm. just a few nights ago, and boy, it lasted hours and hours. The yeah. time just flew by. <laughs> but we covered so many things, and one of those things, maybe you can just start out with a little bit of a biography of who you are for those of the so those of the people listening that yeah. don't know. Just give us a bio, where you grew up, kind of what you did. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. Kind of I, uh, I grew up here in Michigan, and actually right here in Monroe, uh, the great county of Monroe, Michigan. That's right. And uh, I, I, uh, I decided to go to college in Tennessee, um, met up with some, uh, some other musicians, and uh, we, uh, we hit it off and started jamming, started writing, um, started touring churches, actually. Um, and then uh, through the years, we decided we wanted to get into clubs, we wanted to get into uh, bigger venues if we could, um, uh, and go a, a different way i guess and uh try to bring the the gospel and uh into the world i guess okay and uh yeah so so we ended up touring all over the states um all well a lot of different countries in europe japan um we did that for about 12 years and now i'm on the line at Ford Motor Company. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big difference. Yeah. Let me ask you: Were you were you a believer when you were uh, playing music, or what's your story there? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, did, did you have like did you grow up in a family that knew about the Lord, or, or were you saved I, later in life, or how does that work? I was uh, I was brought up in the IFB, okay, Independent, Independent Fundamental Baptist. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we were, uh, yeah, man. I mean. Uh, fire and brimstone um sure you know every week um uh but yeah i uh i went to a uh um southern baptist college and you know it was it was different i mean i i don't know there were there were people from all different different walks of life i finally learned about praise and worship music which i didn't even know about before i i went to college i mean it was all hymns you know it was sure. mainly hymns and yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, started learning about praise and worship. You know, I, I took seven guitars my freshman year of college to, you know, to union. And, wow. uh, yeah, like I had all these electric guitars. I had one acoustic because I love Phil Kagey. And yeah. I was I was trying to learn Phil Kagey. Wait, you had electric ever. guitars growing up in the IFB. You were yeah, like yeah, a exactly. wild yeah. child, <laughs> right? Right. Oh man, I mean, Ze- I grew up on Zeppelin, Van Halen, yeah. I mean, Beatles. You know, it it was yeah. You know, I mean, I, I but heard, I couldn't tell anybody that. Right. You know, that was. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that the IFB actually uh, doesn't believe in premarital sex because it could lead to dancing. <laughs> that's my. That's my. I, I like it. IFB Zing. joke. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> We love Baptists. Oh We're yeah, kidding. definitely, definitely. We have I reformed. We have reformed. You know, <laughs> there, you know. 
But so um, sorry. Anyway, no, she no, had no, the guitars. Fine. You're at Union. Yeah, yeah, at Union, and everybody's playing acoustic guitars. I'm like, what are these guys doing? You know, playing <laughs> acoustic guitars. And uh, luckily, most of them were playing Taylors. Um, I'm not really a Martin guy. Sorry, Vince. Um, uh, Their buddy Vince, yeah, worshipfully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Martin uh, Taylor yeah, yeah. rages oh, on. Oh, man, forever, I'm sure. But um, I'll, I'll play a Martin if it's around, but on, sure. only if I have to. Um, uh, but, yeah, man, so I, I started picking up the acoustic. and um, But I, I never played the acoustic conventionally. Um, it wasn't, it, it was more of my electric playing being brought into my acoustic playing. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean that, and that's what our band kind of based our sound off of was more riffs, more riff based stuff. And we had beatboxing, um, as the, as the percussion, it wasn't, um, we didn't have any other instrument. We just had vocal percussion. So it was two man band. It was, well, it was started out as three, three, okay. two vocal percussion and, uh, they, they sang harmonies. There were uh, there was a little bit of hip hop in there, and uh, yeah, man. I mean, we we covered so many different genres. I mean, you could catch us on a bill with the Roots, and then you could see us with Zach Brown Band. You know, wow, I mean, that's like quite we kinda, a yeah. And then we would play like a, a bluegrass festival in between. You know, so it 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 just it randomly. I mean, we would get on so many different shows. You know, yeah. So. It was it's cool. Well, it's cool and creepy. But yeah. uh, we were talking a few nights ago. Like I said, and I said, what's the name of your band? He said, Scratch Track, right? And I said, oh, Scratch Track, and I repeated it a couple times. And then uh, the next day in my YouTube feed, it said, here's some suggested uh, videos for you, and it was a Scratch Track audio. audio Our phones don't listen to us, by the way. That's exactly what I'm saying. It it, Like, you know, had never clicked on anything you'd done before, never really listened to it. And then, and I listened to it and I I was like, oh my gosh, I need this for my intro music for uh, my podcast. (laughs) But then I probably got to pay Jason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe I should just stick with royalty free. I need it right now. You know, we're, we're laid off. So, you know. Oh, right. Because of the COVID-19 stuff. Right, right. Absolutely. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, exactly. So, um, so you, you grew up, uh, fundamental Baptist. Mm-hmm. Were you, did you carry that kind of faith into college or was it kind of, sometimes I see a, when, when I see guys and gals that grow, grow up really strict, legalistic, mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. fundamental, they hit those college years or those young adult years and it's like, you know, yeah, you kind of go nuts. Was yeah. there any of that, or was it just was you it measured a, insanity, or you know, it it was, none at all. It was somewhat measured. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we had some, uh, you know, we had some great professors, but um, but you know, I mean, you you start running into uh, different thought. I mean, you know, in, in college, I mean, you you run into people that are from all different walks of life, right? And uh, you know, I started meeting some of those charismatic people and <laughs> you're like those what? Pentecostals oh no <laughs> but uh but you know yeah I mean it was it was you know I mean I had went to uh different churches growing up to see different groups singing um in churches and and uh but yeah man I mean I mean it was something that my in college my mind was just I mean, I, I was this little kid, you know, sure. learning about all these different, different yeah. things, you know, and it's like my, my, my horizons just expanded, I guess. And, you know, and I, and I think at the same time I started getting, um, to the point where I didn't really know about my faith, you know? Right. And if somebody asked me if I was a Christian, um, I'd say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, and nobody really pressed into that like well okay well what 
what exactly are you are you saying? Why are you saying you're a Christian? You know, right? And uh, and I mean, I was one of those people. I would crack the Bible here and there, but it wasn't a daily devotion. It wasn't a relationship with Christ. It it was none of that. It was sure. it was completely, um, you know, um, not and and not that I was like running in any kind of way, but it was just not in the forefront of my mind. I was just like, yeah, I love I love God. And I, right. and I say this, you know, I, it's sure. more lip service. And, and don't feel bad. 80% of America identifies with, I am a Christian, right, air right. quotes. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. then have, doesn't really go much farther than that. I yeah. believe the Bible. And you say, mm-hmm. well, what do you, mean? well, you know, right. and it doesn't go too much farther than, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, yeah, and I mean, and as well as we start touring, you know, we were saying that we were, we wanted to bring um, the gospel of Jesus, you know, um, in on our lyrics be more inclusive than exclusive you know it was it was a very uh you know not that mm. we were trying to be sneaky about it but it, it kind of like started feeling you two ish in some ways sure you know? <laughs> like i mean just just give them the gospel just give them you know what they need to hear um uh but yeah i mean i mean for years throughout that i mean you you start running you start um changing what you believe um you you start getting very lax you start um I don't know. You you run into so many different situations where you you are completely um, just a hypocrite. I sure, mean, you're 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 on the wrong side of the fence, um, or you're or you're on the fence, which puts you on the other side of the fence. I mean, the fence right. is the devil's, right? So true. Um, uh, so you know, I I just uh, I don't know. I I think at one at a certain point, I. Uh, I just was, I was looking around at my life and, uh, and, and where I was and it, and it wasn't what I wanted. Okay. Um, yeah. And anyway, that, that's when yeah, I, it's crazy because, uh, when you look at, when you look at the Bible, it's just God constantly reminding us of his goodness, of his mercy, of all these things, of also his judgment, his wrath, mm-hmm. all the characteristics of the Lord. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, you go, is he just, does he want all, you know, is he just forgetting that he did this? Like he'd remind the Israelites like once a week what he did for him. And it's no, it's mostly because we're just really dumb and we're really good at rationalizing. <laughs> right, right. Like as, as a, as a race, as a people, as a fallen, in a fallen world, you can rationalize just about anything you need to rationalize. Right. And that was, you know, that was a big step for me in, in my walk with the Lord, mm. just you, you know, some things are permissible, but not everything beneficial, as Paul said. And it was rationalizing it and mm. saying, well, in, in the easiest way to rationalize is to look at someone else and then compare, yeah. right? Well, I'm yeah. not that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, at a certain point in my mid-20s, it, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it says, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the mm-hmm. glory of God. And your righteousness to the Lord is like filthy rags. Yeah. Um, and if you want to get really disgusting, that interpretation of what those rags are, they were, you know, feminine yeah. product Products, rags, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so that's the image that the Lord is, yeah. you know, trying to put <laughs> in your mind. That's what your works and your righteousness is right. like. And uh, when I realized that um, I'm desperately in need of a Savior yeah, and, and that nothing I can do can please Him uh, unless through the work of, you know, uh, Christ on the cross— it really made it easier for me not to look at someone else and say, at least I'm not that bad so yeah, I can yeah. do this. And he, because God looks at all sin and says, it's, right. it's all pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, there's look, not one holy. Look at the, uh, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the tax collector is just like, forgive me God right. for I'm a sinner. And the Pharisee yeah. 
is looking at the tax collector saying, man, I'm glad I'm not that guy. But how many times do we right. look at the Pharisee and say, yeah. man, I'm glad I'm not like that Pharisee. It's like, right. oh gosh, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, we're, you know, we're wired that way. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's it's, or, or just the fact that, you know, every morning uh, before school, I sit my kids down, we have Bible study, we do a Psalm and a proverb. Sometimes we'll jump around in the gospels. Hmm. But when we do a proverb, I always make it very clear to them that um, we're not reading in on someone else's life of who did bad examples. Mm. The fool does this. The fool does that. I said, we are the fool yeah, in right, Proverbs. Right. You know, so often in Christianity, we want to kind of like remove ourselves yeah. from parables and remove ourselves from Proverbs and remove ourselves from the story and say, oh, well, that was like that guy. Right. And God's just trying to teach <laughs> right. me, a, you know, a fable, a parable, a lesson through yeah. this story. When in fact, when you read through Proverbs and it says, you know, uh, a fool is on, you know, lacks self control is like a, you know, a city with no walls. He's saying, no, you are, you're the fool. Yeah. And here's what you need to do to not be that fool because you're in a natural foolish state. Right. Our flesh always wants to do <laughs> foolish things all the time. I feel, um, not that I feel the, the Bible says that, but, um, so to not remove ourselves from that is vitally important. Yeah. Uh, because then, you know, when I read through Proverbs and I replace fool with Greg, it mm. becomes a lot more personal. Right. And it's like, oh, no, I have done that before. That's great. And then I try to introspect and reflect and go, when did I do that? How can I not do that again by the grace of God? You know, all these other things. So you're you're in the band. When when did the uh, when did Scratch Track or when did you leave Scratch Track or did yeah. they did they kind of dissipate or did you guys go um, separate ways? Well, uh, Will Will left the band in 05 and DJ and I continued on um, through 2012 ish. And uh, okay, so not, up until not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, it was, Actually, it was about, yeah, right, yeah, right when I started at Ford. I mean, obviously we couldn't tour anymore. I mean, we were touring. I mean, all the time. I mean, this was this was our our gig you know this was our job this is that's how we made money and uh and yeah i mean that <laughs> when i started uh at ford it was a completely different world because i mean my my life was you know it it, it wasn't structured I mean, oh not at all if if you know if we had a show on you know uh thursday friday saturday i mean it would start at at anywhere from seven to eleven you know and then we'd be off stage by eight to you know, one thirty or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean like, but all that other time I could spend sleeping, <laughs> taking yeah. naps all day longer mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, like and really answering <laughs> to very few people. Yeah. I mean, we, we can, you know, we were in charge of our business. Uh, we had a couple different management teams, um, as we, uh, as we were touring and then a booking agency that helped us out and uh to do college shows and and to do we had a another booking agency before that um out of LA the book the agency group um but okay. yeah i mean we we yeah man we didn't have any kind of structure set up for our lives we just knew that if we needed to drive from chicago to new york one day you know we knew we had you know 12 hours to to get there and sure. play the show but i mean when i started at ford it was like you're tied to this 20 foot area yeah and that is all you're going to be doing all day long it's like a rat in a cage you know? for yeah, a creative man. person i mean geez my mind was just racing all day long but podcasts audiobooks, <laughs> audiobooks. i mean dude yeah. i you know i fought it for a long time i was like oh, i'm just gonna listen to music 
and then I mean, you know, you listen to the same songs all the time. I mean, you know, you yeah, you get trapped into that one record. You know, um, I re- I remember when I was younger, I le- I had the Led Zeppelin two CD, yeah, and I was trying to learn every riff, you know, off this <laughs> off this thing, and and I remember burning a hole, like into the CD, like oh, wow. it it, st- it started skipping, and it and there was a huge hole going over uh i think it was whole lot of love or something but yeah but yeah great <laughs> so, tune though oh gosh man jeez i yeah I, I still can't do a lot of those riffs but here here and there i you know i could pull them off if yeah I'm, if i'm throwing down some but i can't uh, believe you, you've lasted i don't want to say this i don't yeah. want it to sound mean <laughs> but creative people yeah. it's very hard mm-hmm. to do a monotonous job when you're a creative person dude Working at Ford has been the hardest thing I have probably ever done in my life. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, you know, the, the daily, the daily, you know, I'm, I'm luckily I'm a floater. Okay. And at, and at one time I was a team lead, so I was always doing different jobs. Um, and like, I mean, I give it up to these guys that are, that have been there for 30 <laughs> the lifers. years, yeah. man. I mean, like there's some people that are there, that are there right now that have been there 40 and yep. you know, forty. My plus stepdad years. was thirty-eight at Woodhaven. Cra- yeah. You know, that's crazy, man. I mean, but that's that's awesome. I mean, if if you have a brain that can do that, um, but yeah, you're you're so right. I yeah. mean, having a creative mind and uh, being being tied to the line, you know, doing the same thing over and over is, is because it's difficult. A, it's a huge difference. I was mm-hmm. in a band for about two years, nowhere near the level of success that mm-hmm. you had. But at the same time, I I tell everyone two things about that. One. Uh, we had five guys in the band, and people don't realize how hard it is to keep five oh, young gosh. guys on track to do to accomplish a goal. I couldn't imagine. To, yeah. You know, just the dynamic mm-hmm. of most of the time, if you're in a band with someone, they're creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you when you talk uh, creative people, you talk just weird weird things, yeah. weird ideas, spontaneity. Let's do this. Um, and then most of them maybe not business savvy. Mm-hmm. So then, if you're dealing with contracts and venues and things yeah. like that, we're all just looking at each other like. Where did our manager go? We don't want to deal with this. We've got an after party to go to right. or people to hang out with. And then the second thing is, like I said, you re- you really report to no one. The only profession I can really liken it to is maybe like stand-up comedy where you get up at about noon, yeah. you have the afternoon and most of the evening to do, you know, to do whatever the heck you want, get yeah. yourself in trouble, sleep, nap, watch TV, whatever. And then and then you perform at night and then you're you're up late. Yeah. at night and there's really no responsibility or reporting in or attendance or right. so to go from something like that to where you're internationally touring for years and years and years and then go into probably one of the most structured jobs i mean yeah. even in retail and things you have some leeway like yeah. i was in you get into you know that kind of you can walk over and and uh and and put you know fold shirts if you want to <laughs> right. I, I don't have anything but to pick up this one part and put it in the car yeah. you know um. Uh, yeah, that's funny. That's but, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> so, so then you get into Ford. Uh, you you live in Monroe mm-hmm. in 2012. Yep, Monroe, Michigan. Uh, I well, kind of. We were on the road, and okay. I was coming back and forth. Yeah, because I had just met Mandy. Okay. Um, and we were your now wife, my, my now wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we were dating. You know, off and on. Oh, that's a that's all another story. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah. Well it's a podcast. So, we have yeah, time yeah, if right, you want right. to share it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But yeah, man, we uh uh I ended up back here, uh going to Ford, you know, working at Ford and yeah. I mean, you know, I was still like, Man, I still want to do music, but I mean you just you just get into that different 
life and yeah you know you 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 have different uh priorities i guess at that point, absolutely you know? so. one of the big things for me when i came back uh I say came back to the Lord, but I always have to preference this a little bit of my backstory and well, because it's kind of reminding me one one of the things when I came back to the Lord was um, I was listening to a Jason Upton sermon and he just said so many people in the world who play music then get saved or come back to the Lord and say, oh, well, I'm just supposed to play music. And he said, you know, that that is so detrimental Mm. to just assume that whatever talent you have is the gift that the Lord wants you to use in service to him. He said, what you have to do is take all your gifts, whether they're musical, creative, business, you know, logistical, whatever they are, put them on the altar. And then the Lord hands you back Mm. what he wants you to use for what season and what time. And I heard that and I just went, that makes so much sense because I, I had this image of like, Oh, well, I, 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 I was in a band. I played music since I was, young child well then i'm gonna play music in church and there was like a purifying like two or three years where there was no music for me um and i think a lot of that had to do with just getting out shifting the purpose of music in my life Mm -hmm. um you know when i wasn't following the lord i wasn't saved the purpose of music was self-gratification and Mm self-glorification you know this oh yeah when you've got 10, 20, 30,000 people and, you know, screaming fans mm-hmm. and uh, not even the adoration of the fans, but just the vibe, the energy, you're playing music, yeah. you're with your boys, you guys are gelling. I mean, everything's working. It's very addictive and it's very self-satisfying. You can have 10 people in that crowd and if <laughs> all of them are singing your lyrics or, it's, you know, it's like, right. oh my gosh, they yeah. like this song, you know? Absolutely. Like, yeah, you know? And, so, then you, <laughs> so, so then, you know, then you open your Bible and you look at the Lord talking about yourself being crucified, your flesh being put to death, mm-hmm. you being a slave to sin, but now a slave to Christ. And you're like, whoa. Right. Uh, what purpose does music serve now? And... You know, when I made that paradigm shift in my mid twenties, that music was to ultimately glorify God. Yeah, uh, all things are to glorify God. Uh, it really gave me a reverence for what what worship, what praise is, what music yeah. is. Um, you know, so, so many times I see. Uh, you know, non-believers becoming believers that are musicians and they take that entertainment aspect with them and look at it. It's not a sin to be entertained. I'm just saying when you're doing it in the service of the Lord for worship or praise, it's such a sacred duty that we're called to that. Um, I think I think a lot of modern worship bands or worship teams would, would would do very well to understand what it is you're actually doing on that stage or in that home or wherever you're doing it. Um, I mean, it's you, you are ushering people into the presence of the Lord through worship. And I know we talked about this a few nights ago, but I, you know, music is very powerful. It is. It's extremely powerful. I mean. I, th- I think the only reason why Satan could even challenge God was because he was essentially the angel of music musician you know there's there's really nothing more powerful that i can think of i mean more than the spoken word more than Mm -hmm. you know uh visual music just does something it it moves it moves it can move for sure absolutely you know this is where we get into uh might be some differences with uh some of the audience members but um soaking and um you know uh, maybe singing a song that uh um makes God out to be your boyfriend or, you know, it's, it's like, <laughs> right. it's like, you know, it, it, it has went off into some weird areas. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, uh, yeah, I, when I walked back into the church, when yeah. I came back, when the, when, 
when God just regenerated me and uh, brought me back, I was afraid to get up there. I, and, and I still kind of have that inside of me, just that fear, that, that, that fear of the Lord, you know? Um, sure. Uh, and, and it's like, it's like, I don't want to get back up there if I still have something like that, even like, you know, back inside of me. And yeah, in any I felt the same way form, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, and I, and I did, uh, start playing at city light for a little while and, um, uh, stepped away, um, just cause different things gotten, you know, sure. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was happening in life and whatnot, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I ended up, I've ended up in this space right now where all I want to do is praise and worship Christ with my life. I mean, right. and, and you know, when, when it comes down to, you know, uh, pumping your gas at the gas station. <laughs> like I would, mean, every, everything that you're doing sure. is for the glory of the Lord, sure. you know, and, and, um, uh, sharing the gospel and, you know, the great commission. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're called to, um, to always be in remembrance of him. I mean, this sure. is, this is not something that I do on the side. This is not something that is, uh, there, there's nothing before him, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's God, my family, and you know everything else kind of falls in you know below yeah. but i mean christ is everything you know? which is why uh you know i have a real hard time it's funny that you touched on the the uh god is my boyfriend type songs <laughs> yeah, right. um i i really think and this doesn't this isn't meant to sound uh, in any way condescending uh but i think there's easy gray <laughs> no <joke>. i know <laughs> uh i i feel like there's a lack of maturity when people seek out those type of songs and not like an immaturity um, in, in like mental immaturity. I think it's an immaturity in their relationship and understanding mm. of who God is and his character. Yeah. Um, because I'll tell you what, when you, you know, Proverbs says the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord, right? Not to be scared of mm-hmm. him, but that word fear actually means to reverence and awe, to understand his character. Mm. The closer you get to understanding his character and who he is, um, the closer you get to wisdom. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, when you have that in, in your head and you understand he is an all sovereign, all powerful, all knowing, loving, merciful God, which is also 100% justice, righteousness, holiness, and wrathful mm-hmm. because he has to also have wrath because he is just. Um, and you understand what you are in comparison to him, uh, dead in your sins, slave to sin. Um, no work can please him except through Christ's work on the cross. And then you understand his grace and mercy through those lens. I'll tell you what. Um, a, a song that treats Jesus like my sugar daddy or boyfriend, uh-huh. just de- or you know whatever. Yeah, it'd be weird if I thought Christ was yeah, my yeah. boyfriend. That's a whole other subject. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, when a when a worship song treats him like that, it, it feels such lacking in foundation uh-huh. and truth and understanding of who God really is. Yeah. And for me, I I can't even the, those those songs that uh, do absolutely nothing for me. I can't. There's you know. Every worship song that I sing, I want it to be uplifting and glorifying to him. Right. Um, you know, that's why I had a phase where just, you know, for two or three years, I went back to hymns. Uh-huh. Just in, not even, you know, it wasn't the uh, IF, uh, IFB hymns. Hey, it was probably great, just, an, man, you know? just an or- organ and a vocalist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. there's artists out there, you know, Shane and Shane. Uh-huh. Um, Eddie uh, Eddie James does a whole, pi- whole album of just him and a piano okay. on hymns. Oh, that's great. Um, 
you know, Shane and Shane, the same thing with two guitars and two voices. And uh, even Jarza Clay yeah. years ago redid uh, some hymns. And I mean, they sound contemporary, but the words yeah. are so powerful. I heard a uh, preacher, and boy, I wish I could remember who it was, but it stuck with me for years. He said, the difference between secular music and Christian music is secular music, it's all about the sound. Christian music, it's all about the words. Yeah. And I went, there, there's some truth to that. Now, mm. there's exceptions to the mm-hmm. rule, but generally... That's what we're doing. Where you know, corporate worship isn't necessarily about the music. Right. Uh, the music does help, created by God and for His glory. But the words are usually what's so important. And, and uplifting words. I mean, you go back to you know, you read about um, uh, these hymns and how they were written. Uh-huh. You know, when we were talking about um, John Newton, you know, yeah. Amazing Grace, Slave yeah. Trader, o- owned slave boats. Uh, you know. Uh, took guys and basically beat them in the club within the shins until they couldn't walk right. anymore. I mean, just a total wretch yeah. got radically saved, wrote, uh, you know, amazing, amazing grace. grace. It yeah. saved a wretch like me. Um, two days before he died, he said, my memory has faded, but two things I do remember. I was a wretch. I'm a horrible sinner, but God's mercy and grace is greater. Yeah. And then two days later he died. So he had this whole thought of uh, who he was and then how God saved him and who God was in relation to him. And out of that, we've get one of the greatest hymns of all times, Yeah. you know, or it is well with my soul. I mean, that whole story, I'm sure you're familiar with that where, uh, I, I don't um, know that. I don't know that I, um, I think it's Horatio Spatz. I might be saying the name wrong. Someone's going to correct me. Horatio, uh, I can't remember his last name right now. But essentially, he was a he was a very wealthy and well off businessman in Chicago. And the and uh, his uh, wife and I think it was uh, five of his five of his seven children. And if I'm getting this story a little bit wrong, we'll we'll correct it later. Um, his wife and three of his kids went on a ship over to England. He was supposed to follow them. You know, this is after the fires of 1917 in Chicago. He lost like 90% okay. of his real estate business, devastated financially. He decides, hey, I'm going to finish up some work here. Wife, you go, um, you know, kind of uh, sail across the sea there. Go to England. I'll meet you in a few months. Um, halfway out in the middle of the ocean, two boats ram each other oh, wow. almost everyone is lost except for his wife his three his three daughters drowned uh right there in the ocean she gets back to england um she sends a telegram and all it says to him is saved alone which is where that hymn comes from well it is well with my soul yeah. is he takes the exact same boat on the same route tells the captain tell me about where this crash happened mm-hmm. where my my daughters drowned he gets down on the bottom of the boat and then he writes the first three verses of that. When when sea billows roll, it yeah. is well with my soul. Yeah. He's releasing back up to the Lord. You took my three daughters. This horrible thing has happened. Uh, this was only weeks later, and he's writing a hymn saying, but it is well with my soul. Yeah. Now, when you have that backstory and you hear those words, yeah. I mean. It's give, it gives, gives me the chills right uh, now. I mean, you know what, it makes me tear up a little bit. Yeah, you know, sure. especially, you know, yeah. you're, you know, and you're a new yeah. dad, too. Yeah. Oh, uh, for well, sure. New, yeah. You know, uh, new baby, mm-hmm. new baby girl. Yeah. Um, that's another thing too. Once I had kids, man, I become a big softie. Yeah, right. Like right. I can't even watch like old Yeller and stuff. I'm like, oh man, dude. The end of Steel Magnolias <laughs> was on the other day, and like, oh my gosh, I just start. I'm crying a little bit. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, what am I doing right now? Well, I got but, a beard. I'm a man, right? No, I'm when I'm when I'm and I'm not trying to be a songist. If that's a if that's a word, like you know, anti certain songs, yeah. but um. 
you know, um, when I sing that song and I understand his goodness and mm. then, you know, you, you, you put me in front of like reckless love or something, mm-hmm. uh, just not a big fan. And I think there's just a lack of, uh, especially in Western Christianity, uh, you know, because we're so well off here, there's just a lack of maturity. And what I'm saying, not mental maturity, but a maturity of your walk and your relationship mm-hmm. with God and who he is. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Covenant Real Estate. And why not? It's my podcast and my real estate company. But seriously, I've absolutely enjoyed helping clients buy, sell, and invest in real estate over the last 12 years. My brokerage serves clients in Michigan and Ohio, with more states coming soon. When I started this brokerage, I wanted to ensure that my expertise and knowledge would serve every one of my clients. I take my fiduciary responsibility to my clients very seriously. That's why I named it Covenant Real Estate. Not only is a covenant a contract in the legal sense, but it's also a solemn promise from myself to each of my clients. I will do my absolute best to serve you. It's also pretty cool that our name has some theological implications as well, which is a great conversation starter. And here's the best part. My agents and I have extensive experience in helping people buy and sell residential homes, buy and sell commercial properties, as well as investing in real estate and selling and purchasing recreational and vacant land. Covenant Real Estate can help you with all of your real estate needs, and I would love the opportunity to earn your business. So if you have real estate needs in Michigan or Ohio, call me at 734-731-GREG. That's 734-731-GREG. Or click on the link in the description of this podcast episode you're listening to right now. Remember, Covenant Real Estate. Confidence from contract to close. Yeah, I mean, it, it, what we we're being taught right now um, since since I came I, I came back to Christ uh, two years ago. Okay, so I'm I'm you know I I don't like the term baby Christian, um, right? Uh, um, but you know I am I am uh, just kind of starting back out, you know, right? Um, uh, but it, it's the me gospel. It's it's yeah. all about my anointing, you know, my breakthrough, my ministry, m- my ministry, yeah. all of that, you know, and and when I hear songs that are all about me and my transformation of like, you know, uh, you know, um, financial mountains being moved or this, uh, my marriage mountain being moved, you know, Mm. this, this burden on my marriage mountain, you know? Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's all about us, you know, and that's not what I read in scripture, right? What I learned in scripture is all about Christ. It all, it all points to the Trinity, you know, and, uh, and, and not to say that we all don't have things to, to work on. Um, you know, we're being sanctified. We are definitely, uh, you know, walking out our, our, uh, our salvation, you know? Um, uh, but I mean, this isn't about, um, the Joel Olstein message. This, This isn't about, and, and I'm not, Maybe I should should just watch my mouth here, but uh, but yeah, I mean it, the the me that's gospel. That's okay. You can the, you can use me, some of those words. <laughs> all right, the me the the me um, yeah. worship songs do not work um, for uh, why we're headed to church, why we're yeah. going to church. This that it's very short sighted. Yeah, it's yeah. short sighted in so many ways and sets you up for so many so many failures mm-hmm. essentially in your walk with Christ. I tell. 
uh, newer Christians this all the time, or even some of those who've been Christians for quite a long time, mm. like you even you've said you've come across where uh, you know you don't really get past the first couple questions of well why are you a Christian? Right. Well, I've been a Christian for forty years. Right. Well, why? And well, then they kind it. of fall apart, yeah. right? Um, but uh, but the but that whole me self centered. Um, I'm, I almost lost my train of thought here because you got me going on the on the forty. Year, it's what 40, we do, man. Forty year old Christian. That's do. okay. I'm, I'm. But yeah, it's very short. It's very short sighted. Yeah. Uh, my wife said this to me just a few uh, years ago. Um, you know, she she lost her seventeen year old brother unexpectedly mm. three years ago, April first, mm. and she, a, a few weeks after that, she just went. Can you imagine if I was a believer that just believed God? blessed and gave mm. and sugar daddy and promised only good things and good financial and no hardships. Yeah. She goes, I feel so bad for those people that mm-hmm. believe that because then when, when the sea billows yeah. do roll, okay, when the valleys in life do happen, where are you God? Yeah. And, and in fact, the Bible just teaches again and again and again, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they stand mm. right up. They look at Nebuchadnezzar. They say, uh, our God will save us. Our God can save us. Mm-hmm. But even if he doesn't. Yeah. And it's like, well, if he knew he was going to get saved and they knew he could save him, why'd they add in that? But even if he doesn't, mm-hmm. and they're making such a great point there that it doesn't matter yeah. what happens to us. That's awesome. Uh, because our God holds us in the palm <laughs> right. of his hand, meaning any valley, any mountain, His Mm -hmm. grace is sufficient. Mm -hmm. His grace is enough. And I think that takes a real paradigm shift in most Christians thinking because we equate, especially in Western Christianity, we equate, uh, you know, money and cars and material things and a good job and a nice family and health is blessing. Right. And we count, you know, disease and virus and, you know, struggles at work and as, oh, that's the devil trying to get, and it's like, well, no, the Lord uh, works all things out for good. Yeah for those who love him according to his will. I mean, the, it's, it doesn't say he works good things out. Yeah. It doesn't say he works bad things out. It says he works all things out. Right. And that includes bad things. Yeah. And I got to tell you, um, you know, you read the book of Job and there was a lot of bad stuff that happened to him there. Right. And a lot of people forget that it was actually God who suggested Job. Right. He said, what are you doing, Satan? He said, I'm just roaming to and fro. He said, have you thought about my boy Job? And <laughs> right. he said, oh, I can't touch him. You got a hedge of protection around him. Uh-huh. He said, I'll remove it. You're not allowed to have his life, but do what you must. So, God not only suggested, but also said, go ahead and do what you think you, you need to do against him. So valleys in our life, I think, once again, short-sighted when we get into a valley and then we say, Lord, take us out of this valley. Oh, it's hardship. Get us out of this, right? Yeah. When in fact, he says, I have you there. That's the purification process. Yeah. That's the sanctification process. Look at Paul, right? Yeah. I have a, you know, whether it was a physical ailment or not, you know, scholars can argue about that. Uh, for years to come, but he said it keeps me humble. Uh-huh. Had a very specific purpose, you know. I I don't ever want to try to pray myself out of a sanctification process. Yeah. God's got to be up there just wringing his neck, going, you know, what I put you in this for right. a reason. I've just come to realize that whenever there's an issue in my life, whenever there's a hardship, whenever there's a valley, the very first thing I do is say, Lord. What are you trying to teach me? Yeah. What do I need to learn? Mm-hmm. What do I need to, what kind of pride do I need to swallow and put down? What kind of humbleness needs to raise up in my life? How do I need to treat people better? What is it that you're trying to teach me? Uh, and not go to, hey, God, can you do this for me? Right. You know, right. oh, I'm out of a job. Oh, I'm scared about COVID-19. Oh, I, you know, don't have money to pay bills. It's like, well, 
what are you, you know, I've had that even in my early years of marriage when we were having financial issues uh-huh. and the Lord said, oh, you need to get your spending right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm trying to teach you. Yeah. That's why you can't pay your bill. It was that simple. <laughs> right, right. You spend too much money yeah. on things you don't need. Mm-hmm. And now that sounds really dumb to a lot of people, you know, um, but I'm no uh, Ramsey. Yeah. Okay. But it was, it took the Lord to have to tell me, you know, this, you, you over to sp- stop eating out. <laughs> That's really what it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! Right, right. When hey, we, Sam there. and I were both working when we first got married. Uh-huh. Had no kids for yeah. the first three, four years. I'm I am ashamed to tell you uh-huh. we added up because we didn't cook. We were working. We were going out to uh-huh. eat friends. This that. Hey, I'll pay for this. We added it up one month. It's ridiculous. I'm yeah. not even going to say it on the podcast because you would go, that's ridiculous, that's, Greg. And I that mean, was 10 years ago, 13 years ago money. Same when we were on <laughs> when we were on tour. I mean, when we were on tour, you know, we were making we were making pretty good money. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like we, we would eat out for breakfast, lunch and dinner and get snacks in between at gas stations, you know, yeah. and gas around the time we really started touring. I mean, that was when it popped up over four bucks, right? You know, and it. So I mean, you know, we're just. I mean, unfortunately, you know, we were uh, not stewarding our money correctly <laughs> within yeah. that in that in those seasons. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, what you were just talking about, what there was something that just came to my brain. Oh no, I lost it, and the and the red tape is running. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's okay. You know, right. <laughs> No, we were just talking about uh, the, you know, trying to get out of a valley when we first get into it. Yeah. Uh, I just, it's, it's, and and I think, once again, I think it's partly uh, due to there, there are a lot of different churches and and famous preachers and just kind of this vein of let's preach this prosperity and this kind of faith Mm -hmm. uh, message, this gospel, which I do not believe in and, and, and think it's harmful to the church. But then on top of that, You've got to realize we live in the wealthiest country in mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. okay? If you're a single person and you make $27,000 a year or more, you are in the global 1%. You know mm-hmm. how we have this whole 1% yeah, thing yeah. in the United States, yeah. like Democrat, Republican, uh-huh. 1% are Bernie Sanders and all oh, conservative. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, guess what? Everyone in this country right. that makes $27,000 is a global 1%. Or you're, you're you're richer than 90, 90, 99% of the 7.5 billion people in this right. world if you make 27. Jeez, so, man. you know, against that backdrop. But but my point is that we're so materialistic here mm-hmm. and we equate materialistic things with blessing. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see that in the Bible. Um, you know, there's a great line by the Reformed rapper Shylin, and, and he's talking, and it's actually called False Preacher is the track, and I highly recommend it. It's very funny and unique and very theologically rich, and he essentially calls out false teachers. He calls out prosperity gospel message uh, preachers, and one of the lines, though, is is basically so simple. He says, why, you know, why would Christ promise you the one thing that he said would damn your soul? Yeah. And it's and it's so simple. Uh, meaning the love of money, the love of materials, you know, Christ preached against that all the time. Uh-huh. So h- how in God's name could you set up a whole ministry that just says he just wants to give you things? Yeah. You know, we have so many verses that talk about not piling treasures up here on earth, put the treasures in heaven, those type of things. And I look at that and I go, that is such an anti-biblical message but yet it's being gobbled up by the millions and millions of Christians right. in the United States that just go equate things with blessing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I literally, what I was just thinking about um, mm-hmm. was just about friends that have become atheists out of that sure. gospel, out of that 
that gospel message. Um, uh, and you know, they, they didn't get their breakthrough. They sure. didn't get the job that they wanted. They didn't get, uh, the healing, you know, of their mom, you know, having, having, uh, cancer or whatever. And, you know, and I really, I really think that in the church now we need someone to stand up and to say, you know, and, and I'm sure that there's plenty of people out there trying, but sure. I mean, this, this, the, the me gospel, the, uh, you know, the, the prosperity gospel, the, if you're, if you're not happy, healthy, and wealthy, then you aren't doing something right, you right. know, and you're, you know, you're supposed to be up here, you know, but just like you said, the Valley, he's there with us. And it just spits you know? in the face of our forefathers. And it, and it does. Our yeah. church fathers, yeah. our apostles, everyone in the Bible. Right. I mean, there are not a lot of stories of health and wealth. Right and uh respect in the bible there's a few places where god lifted up certain people yeah. to certain positions of authority because he needed them to be there and that was his will right. daniel you know for instance or something like that generally it was a bunch of bad dudes yeah. and bad women murderers and uh you know adulterers and liars and thieves and the lord changed their name used them and then it was a life of pretty much misery from right. secular standards right and and I, I mean we were talking about Fritz Erba the other night yeah you know um uh, and uh, how he just he did not want to change his mind about baptizing his children and he ends up in this hole um in this that was the the prison cell that he was put in for seven years in a hole they, in the ground a hole in the ground 30 feet wow. down and this guy, he did not want to baptize his children because he did not believe in that. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I mean, theologically, uh, I'm sure some, uh, didn't Doug, he have a chance Doug Wilson to, can have, yeah. the, <laughs> have the argument about it, but didn't he have a chance to like, uh, to, to like, what would like to, you know, to go back on that? Yeah, they yeah. Would come I mean, to they, and say, they, hey, all you have yeah, to do is all you have say, to do is is yeah, renounce that. And, and what he spent like thirty yeah, years in a hole in the ground. He was seven years in the hole, and he ends up dying down there. They they continued to you know give him his food down there, and like I mean, just like he was in a prison cell. But wow. they put him in the hole because um, the prison cell that he was in, uh, he could he could still speak to people on the street, and he was converting people to Christianity while he was in the <laughs> yeah, while awesome. he was in prison. So they didn't like that. So they they threw him. Uh, yeah, down in this hole but seven years but could you, you know, imagine you, you, could you imagine pulling the average christian once again yeah. air quotes off the street and yeah. saying hey renounce renounce something you believe in or right. throw you in prison they'd be like okay renounce sure pre yeah pre-millennialism no I'm <laughs> probably shouldn't say that There's a few. announce pre-trip okay <laughs> yeah. done they pulled me off They're like wow that was easy right right <laughs> announce renounce the sinner's prayer Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never found that in the Bible. Right. I'm good with that. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> just go down a bunch of things like, what? Is this guy even saved? Right, right. Announce, yeah. al renounce altar calls. Okay, I'm fine oh, with that too. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. There's a lot out there. But Look at, I know God is sovereign because he can even use altar calls to save people. Amen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, uh, so yeah, so the last two years you've kind of been like I like I don't like you I don't like the uh, term baby Christian. Yeah, yeah, it's has all good. So many weird, right, right, just weird. There was yeah. like songs made about it in the eighties yeah, where man. like there was like adults in like cartoon diapers and I'm a baby. Like I don't know if you've ever seen them. <laughs> I think I saw a couple. Yeah, I'm sure growing did, up. I mean, it made it to like the Dove Awards and stuff. These songs. Oh, are you serious? Oh god. That's that's an that's another reason why I think I'm reformed and know that God's sovereign over salvation. Oh. People actually got 
saved in the 80s and 90s yeah. with all that yeah. horrible, horrible Christian music out there. <laughs> it was just junk. Yeah. Like, I don't want to offend anyone who, you know, likes like DC Talk and Newsboys. And I listen Amen. to it. Easy, dude. Look I at, do like I listen DC to talk, it. bro. I grew up in a legalistic Sorry, Toby. kind of. Ch- <laughs> I grew up in a legalistic <laughs> church where you know uh, I was told Keith Green was the head of uh, Christian contemporary music and oh. was the devil. And if you you know basically uh, I've ever heard Keith Green, yeah. I mean the guy's life was just one of just a gospel missionary, right? Uh, and he played the piano, yeah. And some of his songs were a little bit faster, but it was like you know it was so tame, right? But, uh, you know, and I, so I, when I got my hands on Newsboys and DC Talk when I was kind of, you know, early teens, I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. what is this? Yeah. I think the only, uh, the only CD I'd ever owned was like Dan Mullen. Oh, you, you remember serious? that yeah, guy? Yeah. He was like an acoustic uh-huh. kind of worship, very, very dry, but, you know, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. But, you know, a 13 year old boy doesn't really want to listen to Dan Mullins. Oh, yeah. Like I wanted something with, you know, like with a little, beat, with little beats, yeah, some, yeah. you know, some Zeppelin stuff. Yeah. So I got a hold of that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is unbelievable. And then a few years later, I got a hold of uh, Zeppelin uh-huh. and Floyd and ACDC. And I went, well, what the heck? So Metallica. did you grow up with, I mean, 50s and 60s? I mean, I, I grew up with like Motown, with Beatles, with like, so I mean, Even some 70s. of the oldies were okay. were monitored okay. in my home. Okay. So I grew up, um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a spirit-filled church, mm-hmm. but there was ever, I never saw any spirit moving okay so it was a weird thing where it was almost in name only mm. uh it was very legal it was mostly homeschoolers very legalistic gotcha um so it was like two hours of television a week mm-hmm. it was um no communication really with people who you know were, were homeschooled yeah. um there was a lot like i said a lot of music was monitored mm-hmm. very tightly nothing with a rock beat because the actual music could be sinful you know and if you um, played it backwards it said satan <laughs> right uh no you played a forward now i look at it probably oh, said okay. satan that legalistic music good lord talk about binding people up yeah but um so it was a really it was a really crazy thing for me to go from that to then you know getting into my mid-teens to later teens where um i was went from homeschool to a public school mm-hmm. it was kind of everything was open to me it was just like a whole new world yeah it was you know a launching pad into just debauchery and uh, excess and right. wild and fulfillment of whatever fleshly uh-huh. desire you want uh but my my point being was is i i look back at some of that and maybe newsboys and dc talk they're, they're both good i shouldn't use them but you know a lot of that christian music was just a copy of like better yeah. secular music right, right i went you guys aren't even coming up with anything new you're just worsely cop is worsely even a word copying Dude. The secular version of, you know, it's like U2 would come out and then, you know, uh, two months later there was a Christian U2 right. copying that album. And it's like, <laughs> I'll just listen to U2. Uh-huh. I don't want the off-brand Oreos. They never taste the same. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the name-brand Oreos taste right, good. Right. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I really, honestly, I don't know if this will be on the video or not or on the recording. <laughs> Hopefully, you might have to edit this out. <laughs> oh, my, then I definitely want to hear buddy, it. <laughs> my, my buddy is, is actually like the CEO, like co um uh, i want to say ceo or coo of uh of uh emi christian music so oh. he's like he's yeah like the no. guy that like puts out all this christian music now and there's some it, well, in it, his it, defense but, yeah, i'm yeah. talking about 80s, 80s to mid 90s okay, okay. all right all right it's Just a make, different world we didn't sure. even, we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> right, like, right i think we were like recording on like little yeah. 
12 key MIDI keyboards uh-huh. with like a speak and spell. It was yeah. just the production quality was horrible. <laughs> the Dove Awards had just come out. It yeah. was like, you know, now, now it's like you listen to some of these guys on, you know, Amazon Music and Apple. I mean, they're producing their own stuff and it's mm. like just heads and shoulders above any right. anything back then. So I was really talking okay. about that 10 year period sure. where... <laughs> Because I'll, I'll get in trouble. I'll get a phone call, and then you know, and then it spirals down. No, I'm joking. He's a good guy. No, the stuff but, uh, nowadays. It's well. I mean, there's some good stuff out oh, there, it's, man. It's awesome. I mean, I. Uh, yeah. And plus, with the technologies, just like you and I doing this, uh-huh. you know, um, this podcast. There's musicians out there that are putting out their own stuff. Have a home studio. Never would have heard of them 15, 20 years yeah. ago if they had to go either Christian label or secular label. Uh-huh. Uh, we've talked about that too. How mm-hmm. bands can just sit on a major event and oh, just yeah. you put it on the back burner and you never hear them. Now you have so many avenues. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, like I said, a band that hasn't been around for eight years. We said your name twice four right. days ago. Now I'm watching you on YouTube because right, right. my my phone listened your to phone me heard it and, and I was like, that, oh, that's my that's right, my boy right. Jay, you know, <laughs> right. on my YouTube feed because right. we said his his uh, band name. It's it's so funny how many bands are out there though. Oh, I know that none of us will ever hear. Yeah. I mean, it's oversaturated. I mean, even I, I heard this. I mean, this is going back because, you know, uh, 03. Um, but there were, I want to say there were 25,000 records that were put out that year. And and that might have only been record labels um, that were putting out putting out the album. Maybe they didn't take into consideration other, other uh, you know, independent um, labels or, or independent bands like us. Sure. Um, but only 1,000 of them sold more than wait a second no 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 this isn't right i'm getting it wrong it was like it was like it was something you like can 5%. tell us whatever whatever numbers okay, you I'm want gonna we don't know right we now. don't know just... i'm gonna make this up right now i'm joking <laughs> i think it was five percent of that of the yeah. twenty five thousand sold more than a thousand records oh wow. it was something crazy i mean the i mean yeah you know there's the, Very the same bands are being are getting on radio. The sure. same bands are selling albums. The same bands yep. are getting into stadiums or venues or, you know, it's, it's all, you know, but I mean, there are underground bands that are sure. making a living and doing well. Um, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, I mean, there, there's just so many bands now and yeah. you can't keep up with all of it. And I can't stand Rolling Stone. So I'm not going to look for a band in there because more than likely the editor is being paid off by, the um the record label you know to get their band in on you know a yeah. uh, on an article or whatever but it, it's like I think I, I stopped uh, in 2005 I stopped uh, picking up Rolling Stone when they did their best 100 guitarists uh, in okay. rock history yeah and Jack White Jack was like White 88th was like, no wasn't he like 17th. I no, want to say he was like way not, up there. No, he was way down there on the one I picked up. Oh. This was early though. This okay. was like 2004, 2005. Gotcha. So he'd only really been on the scene five or six uh-huh. years. But like three years in yeah, to yeah. Jack he's White. He's one of the greatest I was like, oh, players. he's going to be one of the, you know, he's just unbelievable. Uh-huh. And then of course, I mean, just what he's way done down. in the last 20 years. Oh, dude. Yeah. Have you ever seen, uh, this is off subject, but yeah. what's the, what's the, it's a documentary with uh, Jimmy Page, Jack uh-huh. White. Uh, and loud. Uh, um, it's gonna get loud. It's gonna get louder. Isn't yeah, that a yeah. great oh, documentary? A great, oh, it's they're great. just and then uh, uh, Edge. Yep. Right. Yep. And they're just all sitting there jamming, uh-huh. showing each other. You know, Edge yeah. has got like four thousand buttons, and he right, just creates right. sound out of thin air. Yeah. 
you know, Jimmy Page, obviously all about that rhythm, that groove. And then Jack White just makes a guitar on the side of the right. stage with like, you know, two iron cords uh, and a glass slide. Two and, by four. And a two by four. Right. And uh, I, I just watched that and I was like, yeah, that just solidifies it even more. I still right. really like Jack White. I'm praying for him. He's <laughs> dealing with a lot of Irish Catholic guilt. I've yeah. seen some interviews. Uh, you know that he was going to go to... Uh, um, to be a priest. Like into the priesthood. He was, yeah, he was yeah. going to go in the priesthood. Yeah. That's where he was going. But then uh, I heard this. I don't. I heard him say this in an interview. He said, "But I heard that I couldn't bring my amp." So <laughs> I mean, he was like, I "Whether that's know. a joke or not, that's still <laughs> right, pretty funny." I know, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Gosh, man. No, it's crazy when you see those celebrities and or you know musicians or actors or whatever, and you and you almost just go, "Man, they're just." They're right there, uh-huh. either through their song or yeah. through the or, or the uh, maybe the movies they take. You go, you can tell they're either struggling with something or they maybe had a Christian upbringing or something. Yeah. And I've always felt that way with Jack White. He's just like right, right. he's, al- well, he's almost there. It's Romans one. I mean, <laughs> suppressing the truth. You know? Right. I mean, it's yeah. like you know, there's so many, there's so many lead singers writing these tunes or or the guitar player whatever uh Ringo, yeah. Ringo wrote a couple songs but we won't talk about those but, I don't believe uh, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know right it had to be Paul and John for sure um uh hey Ringo here you go buddy take this one you wasn't can. that a uh wasn't that a famous quote they like they were all the Beatles were all sitting around talking they said you know how uh, is is uh Ringo star in the top 10 or uh-huh. 15 of drummers of all time. I don't know. And Paul McCartney goes, he's not even the best drummer in the band. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I> <laughs> yeah, it was like a quote by one of his you know, bandmates. I was like, oh, poor Ringo. So, I, dude, here's the thing with Ringo, man. Like, like you've heard the cuts with Pete Best. Yeah. You've heard those yep. cuts, and they were not even close to what Ringo was doing. So what Ringo did in that band was played the right part. Part. Every time. I mean, like, you know, I mean, yeah. she come on flat top. You know, right. yeah, he was the smartest you know, like, guy in the I band. Mean, He's like, I'm just riding this I know, thing I know. out, <laughs> exactly. And I'm, but, a, you know. and I'm gonna be a billionaire one day. Right? He was right, exactly, man. <laughs> but yeah, Ringo, man. But uh, but anyway, I, I what I was gonna say about lyricists. I mean, they they go on the the border of Christianity. And then they, and then it's right. like they they bring it back, but it's they don't realize. A lot of times, I really feel like they don't realize what they're where yeah. they're headed, you know. Yeah. And uh, like you're talking about, they're getting on the edge of Christianity um, or a Christian lyric, and then all of a sudden, you know, they they pull it back. But it's it's Romans one right there, you know. Well, it's but, crazy because even if you're an atheist and you and you staunchly oppose to the mm-hmm. idea of a creator or a or a higher you know being or something like yeah. that. Um, whatever you want to call him, uh, or intelligent design, mm-hmm. you have certain attributes seared into your conscious, into your DNA, that yeah. that that are there, whether you believe in him or not. Right. You know. And so when I see unsaved or secular people talking or singing about certain things or doing certain things, you just go, oh well, you know, my worldview is viewed through the lens of the Word of God, and you go. Well, oh, that's just because that's the way the Lord created us or created this reality or principles of God, character of God, whatever yeah. it is. And I always get a chuckle out of that because it's really a it's it's a it's a losing battle. Yeah. You know, um I was watching a a debate with was it Christopher who is the old one? Christopher Hitchens? Hitchens? Is it Hitchens? Is one it? of the four horsemen. There's Dawkins, Hitchens. You you're talking about with Doug Wilson? 
with uh, no, Hitchens he said, and Wilson. I think it was Hitchens, but he basically said, oh, I don't believe intelligent design, blah, blah, blah. And then in the next breath, he's talking about the video game theory that Elon Musk is talking oh, about. Really? Oh, well, there's a um, hundred million different realities and this, and this one's a simulation. Yeah. I went, well, who's the simulator? Right, right. Like, yeah. what, what is this? Right. It, it was so crazy that he could flip-flop so quickly, mm-hmm. and he's not a dumb person. Yeah. So at that point, you're either being disingenuous on purposes, which makes you a liar. Right. Now, I, I always tell people, and I always play this game, and it's kind of mean, and this is why I don't have a lot of friends, Jason. <laughs> but I just... Hey, I, me too. Someone will say something, and I'll just lean over to my wife, and I go, liar or stupid? <laughs> it's one of the two. Either they know exactly what they're talking about and they're lying because that's not the truth or they're too stupid or ignorant to understand what they're saying and that's why they're wrong. Right. And my wife just rolls her eyes. She's like, Greg, you can't, you know, now though in my age and maturity, in my fine fine years of late 30s, I say it quietly to to my wife before I would, uh, you know, just say it out loud to people to their face. But um, it's really, it's a simplified thing, but it's really the way I think it's like, it was the same with him. I just go, look at, are you... Are you lying? Yeah. Are you stupid? Like, you right. can't... A simulation in billion different realities, well, who's running the simulation? And then, of course, Elon Musk comes out and says, well, it's the higher power running the simulation. I'm like, okay, so it's creation. Right. Yeah. Like, they got all these fancy words <laughs> just to replace well, they always the truth have to borrow of, from, of intelligent design. They have to borrow from Christianity. They always have to borrow from the Word of God, whether sure. they want to admit that or not. Right. You know, I mean, you know, where... Where do they, uh, where do they come up with, um, you know, is is our are our feelings? Can you can you touch right. them? Can you taste them? Sure, or a you thought, know, or a thought, or or anything. I mean, it. it I don't, or how about it, logic? It, log- where did logic come right, from? Right, right. We yeah. know that it's real. Mm-hmm. We can prove that it's true. Right. We can't touch it, taste it, feel mm-hmm. it, hear it. Yeah. What is it? Right. And we're not just a bunch of uh, bags of protoplasm, just just you know rolling around and bouncing off each other's you know yeah. space and you know what what are we chemicals just fizzing? I mean you know I've, well, I've that heard gets... that before. You know it's it's like are you know what what how can you actually um, explain humanity? You know without right. borrowing from the Christian worldview, you know? or at least having a view that there's an intelligent designer. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get into what you want to call him, if he's the God of the Hebrew Bible, if he's mm. the, you know, Judeo-Christian. But the fact that an atheist, I can never be an atheist because it takes way too much faith. Yeah. Look, at I'm a conservationist and a hunter. <laughs> I sit out in a blind for eight to 10 hours at right. a time by myself looking at nature. There's no way I come back from that and go, there isn't someone who designed that. Yeah. Uh, I just watched a two-hour documentary on dolphin reef, reefs on uh, dolphins on a reef. It's called Dolphin Reef on Disney+. Plus. Oh, is that that one where they're like... Watching them rub up against the plants and yes. like figure yeah. out, yeah, okay. yes. But the delicate <laughs> balance of a reef, uh-huh. okay, the coral, and then it overgrows, and the fish come in and eat the old coral, uh-huh. and, then, and then the turtles oh, yeah, come in and, and eat eating, the, yeah, they're eating the stuff off, and the then the predators eat the fish, and, and then the yeah. bigger predators eat. Uh-huh. And if one of those go out of balance, mm. the whole reef dies, right? Mm. You just look at that and you go, and I mean, you have fish for very specific things, and mm-hmm. they're only found in those areas where there's coral. And you go, you know, they eat coral, which is basically eating rocks. It's a fish that eats rocks, okay? <laughs> and you just go, how stupid do people have to be yeah. to to ignore all that and say, no, it's just all hap- it's happenstance. Right. And then the second issue that I have with that is, you know, and of course, um, oh, the other horseman atheist guy, Sam Harris, uh-huh. he has to write a whole book on it yeah. called The Moral Landscape because it goes, look at if we're just a bunch of, uh, you know, stardust floating around in skin bags, 
and we all got here by an accident, then why have morality at all? If there's not an objective right. moral lawgiver that says this is the standard that one has to abide by, if there's not something outside of us, well, then guess what? There is no reason that I just can't come up to you and take your money because I need it. Look at you're just a bag of protons, bag, electrons, yeah, yeah. and neutrons. What you know? In his book that he wrote, I read it and it was hard to get through because it was just so many false premises mm-hmm. upon false premises. But he is a wordsmith and he makes it sound really nice. Gotcha. And I guess if you're already leaning that way, you can kind of what is that called? That self perpetuating bias where mm-hmm. you just kind of buy into it and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Which I try not to do with even theology and doctrine. That's very hard to do too. You try to be okay. What does the Word of God say? Right. Not what this guy says. It says, right. Even though it sounds good and it might be, you know, enticing to my bias already. Yeah. You know, but, um, that's why I like reform. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, we didn't have to get into it, but, um, I I can tell a little bit about where I came from too. We're coming up on an hour. It's flying by. Um, we'll probably, I don't know. We can stick around for another half hour or something. We'll try to make these under 90 minutes. I don't know. Chop these up, you know, I'm sure I said something (laughs) stupid. Right. So uh, for me, like I said, I grew up in um, uh, kind of a legalistic, spirit-filled, but no real evidence of the spirit. There wasn't even talking in tongues or doing anything like that. Maybe like the one weird lady who might say something one Sunday uh, like that. And I say weird air quotes. I'm not Uh being uh, mean, but, you know, um, the character of that one person that always might speak out or something. Then went uh, into my teens, went to another church, which was a little bit more, it was in a transitional period from a Baptist church into a non-denominational charismatic church, uh-huh. right? Um, which, by the way, do you know how many charismatics it takes to change a light bulb? Mm. Three. One to hold the light bulb, the other two to cast out the spirit of darkness. Oh, goodness. Oh, <laughs> I'll be here all week. <laughs> Make sure to tip your waiters and waitresses. So um, then went a little more liberal that way. Uh, and then uh, I remember distinctly being 14 years old, uh, going up to my youth leader and saying, hey, uh, why do people go to hell? And he says, uh, well, they don't believe in Jesus. And I said, uh, isn't in, in like Matthew doesn't say unbelief is a sin. And he says, yeah. And I said, didn't Jesus die for all sins? And he says, yeah, but they don't believe in him. I said, yeah, but it's a sin and Jesus died for all sins. So how can they believe if the sins already been paid for? Why is anyone in hell? And he just looked at me and he went, oh, that that's a good one, Greg, and then walked away. And I was so upset kind of because it's like, okay, here's here's a guy that is supposed to be in you know some type of spiritual authority, and I'm asking him, now I'm realizing I was asking him about limited atonement. I didn't know that at the time, but it just didn't make sense to me. I'm reading the Bible. It's saying all sins covered. Uh-huh. It's a choice, though, you know, universal atonement, but I have to choose to want it. Okay, but I can't choose to want it because of my unbelief, but that unbelief's in a sin. So why would God send me to hell for something that he forgave me for that I couldn't possibly believe or not believe anyway? Yeah. Now, I was 13, I think, or 14. And you go, well, I was, I was, must have been, I was a real geek, all right? Because <laughs> why am I thinking about this when I'm 13 or 14? But it didn't make sense. I wanted to know the answer. So I had all these t- different type of questions growing up, and it really, and I don't want to belittle my parents at all because I'm not, uh, you know, Bible studies every morning, very, you know, my parents did end up getting divorced when I was a teenager, but it was very God centered Uh upbringing. Okay. Uh But there wasn't a lot of explanation of why, Uh and I'm a why person. Yeah. Uh, why, 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 you know, it's, uh, it's why I'm own a business. That's why I'm in, you know, uh, entrepreneurial spirit. It's just, I always thinking, always need why noise the heck out of my wife. She goes just because Greg, right. (laughs) After the fourth why on something. But, um, 
so that wasn't being satisfied with the why. So then uh, uh, 16, 7, about 16, go to Monroe High. Uh, I'm way ahead in all my classes. I was homeschooled. I have all this free time on my hands. I get there, and it's just like the Wild West, like mm-hmm. we were saying. I just start going crazy, uh, doing all kinds of stuff I shouldn't do, uh, hanging out with the wrong people, going to clubs, doing drugs. And for a while there, uh, probably between the ages of like 17 and like 22, I, you know, towards my late teens and early twenties, when I look back on it, I think it was just, I didn't care if I would die or not. I don't know if I was actively trying to commit suicide, Mm -hmm. but it was like, meh, anything, anything I can eat to get me high, put it in there. Who cares what happens? I was just running. I think a lot of that came from hurt with the, the the divorce of my parents. I think a lot of that came from just maybe the upbringing and stuff that happened in the household. I think a lot of that just came from rebellion against God, knowing absolutely what I should be doing and just deciding I'm going to make my life, my way, do what I want to do. When I was 20 in 2004, I think it was 20, however old I was, 23. um, I lost everything all at once. My band, my house, my driver's license, my car, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, all these things just gone overnight like that. And I remember when I did lose them, I remember thinking, well, I think I still have, I still have Jesus. And that was the first thought that came into my head. And I haven't thought of the name Jesus or said the name Jesus in almost eight or nine years, but it was that quick that everything just had to be stripped from me. And from there, um, it it was, it's a pretty cool story of just reuniting uh, with my now wife. We've been happily married for 13 years, 14 years this uh, November. And the Lord just working a refining period of like two years of just getting every, all the junk out of my life. And just saying, you need to focus on me. You need to focus on glorifying my name, you know, and just really doing a work in me. During that time, I really, I started listening to, you know, obviously reading the Bible, but I started listening to a lot of R.C. Sproul, a lot of John Piper, started going back into the early church fathers. I really loved the sermons by Charles Spurgeon, by Keith Green, Leonard Ravenhill, Jonathan Edwards, John Newton, John Bunyan, all the Johns. Uh-huh. Even John Wesley will throw him in there. John Doe. John Doe. And, and started seeing these reoccurring themes um, and started seeing writings and even commentary in uh, like uh, Matthew Henry commentary. I'm a big oh. guy in Strong's and commentary. If you're not reading the Bible with uh, looking at original Greek and Hebrew and also exactly it's great and actually looking into what's being said the english language just slaughters the bible you really need to get yeah. into the original text and starting to realize that there was a type of there all the questions that i have been asking about this well if god is in control of this why does he allow this to happen or you know if uh like i said if did jesus die for everyone in the whole world and why does everyone go to hell they just have to choose or you know can can a believer lose their salvation that was i was scared to death of that when i was young like if i do enough bad things i won't be saved yeah i mean i had family members that was like he's not saved while he's out clubbing and drugging and doing whatever he can't be and I started to read these guys and read through the Bible and it started to line up and go, oh, well, first of all, the answers were in the word. So I never got any of my answers from any theologian or scholar. But then when I started reading the works, I went, oh no, there's other people who believe these certain sets of principles. And I I called them principles, but at the time it was a theology. Uh So for like eight years through my twenties, man, I just wrestled with this and I went, I found out, I think when I was 25, oh, it's called 
it's called Calvinism or being reformed, the doctrines of grace, right? And I start looking into it and I'm like, and for me growing up, I had heard of the word Calvinism, but I just knew it meant like it was some weirdo Uh that wasn't really a Christian. Uh That's what I was kind of taught. Don't even look at it. It's a weird, it's weird. Calvin was a weird guy. Calvinists are weird. It's not biblical. Don't touch it. So I had that stigma going into reform theology and I don't even like using Calvinism or reformed. I say, I believe the Bible. Right. Right. Um, so for like, it took me a long time, man, to actually admit, you know, probably from like 24 until I was like 30 or 31 to where, well, that's not eight years, that's seven years, but um, to, to go, yeah, I believe in this systematic theology of the doctrines of grace and what Calvin and Luther taught. And then, by the way, most early church fathers, most great theologians. I mean, you look at, like I said, your Spurgeon, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, the guy who uh, wrote Pilgrim's Progress, the guy who wrote uh, the commentary I'm reading, Matthew Henry, the guy who wrote the most famous sermon of all times in America, Jonathan Edwards, the guy who wrote a study Bible I grew up on, John MacArthur, uh-huh. the guy I'm listening to now, John Piper and Matt Chandler, you know, it just, the list went on and on. All these guys had this same theology. They're all reformed. Right. And I, and I went, oh, so it's not like this weird little, and I, and I studied those guys. Yeah. I grew up on those guys in homeschool. Mm-hmm. Like my first, uh, in third grade, I had to memorize a Jonathan Edwards sermon. That oh. was the, one of our, my homework, no mention from parents or pastor or anyone else, yeah. what his theology was just memorize this sermon. And so I knew who they were, but had never been exposed to the theology that they viewed the Bible through. And when I saw that, I was just, I could, it was just amazing. I went, oh my gosh, I'm not this like weirdo struggling with these weird things. This is pre-1890. Right. This is the majority of our early church fathers just went, oh no, God is sovereign overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, God does work all things out for his glory. Oh, he, he does uh, elect whom he wants to elect and his blood covered it enough for them to be saved. Right. Uh, oh no. Uh, there is nothing that can pluck us from the Father's hand. You do have eternal security in your salvation uh-huh. because if not, that would be no God that we would want to serve. Someone who could do one bad thing and then God changes his mind and says, you're no longer saved. I mean, just all, you know, and I start reading this and I go, oh my gosh, this makes sense and I'm not alone. Yeah. So probably in my early 30s, I started identifying and uh, and, a, and a lot of Reformed people can identify you with this too. You came out of the closet. I came out of the um, reform, the Protestant closet into another part of the Protestant closet closet called reform. But, um, and there's a joke within the reform community called the cage stage, which means you, uh, you, you start viewing the Bible through that lens and you just have to tell everyone about it and you want to talk about it and you want to refute, but you also want to in love and love argue and debate. And boy, did I go through that stage (laughs) because I'm already like that anyway, about Uh everything Uh all the time. And it was to the point to where... Haven't um, noticed. <laughs> it was to the point to where in like, oh, geez, I'd say about eight eight years ago, maybe seven years ago from now, so 2011 or 12, I saw a sermon by Matt Chandler, and he said, if you are using your theology like a blunt instrument, then you, my friend, uh, don't understand Reformed theology at all. Wow. Theology is be used like a scalpel. And I went... Oh my, it like snapped me out of it. I went, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just going around hitting people on the head. Well, oh yeah, well then if you believe this, then what about this Bible verse? Well, oh yeah, well then make sense of this. I've got the answer. I make sense of it. Uh And it was very self-defeating and I had to go back and apologize to a lot of people 
Um, and honestly, really, the only way I get now, I get like that with, with friends that know mm -hmm. where I'm coming from, mm -hmm. know me well. You and I have those kind yeah. of discussions, you mm -hmm. know. But if, if I'm talking to someone who who I just met or is another just fellow believer's acquaintance, I'm past that stage. I've went from cage stage to hopefully one day sage stage, as they yeah, say. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was a big uh, overcoming a stigma of mm -hmm. like what reformed even meant or even like predestination. You like was not even brought up in the two churches right. I went to. You couldn't even say it. The Bible only mentions it 35 times in the new Testament alone. Like we have to discuss it. Right. What does it mean? Why, what is foreknowledge? What is predestination? Why does he keep saying he elects people? Why does he keep saying that he'll, you know, God draws people and then Christ will raise them up on the last day. Like all these verses that we just kind of glossed over yeah. growing up in church. And those were the ones that really spoke to me because I had an election experience. I had an experience where I wanted nothing to do with Christ. And it was him that drew him, you know, drew me to himself that allowed me to be saved. So um, that's kind of where, you know, that was a very long drawn out no, version of that. No, that's good. I mean, the that's amen, kinda, by that, the way. And here's the thing. Yeah. People who aren't reformed, people, you know, they're still on the, they're still on the team. Yeah. Uh, you're still yeah. a brother in Christ. Uh, right. You're still a sister in Christ. There's core doctrinal issues I think that we have to believe in, you know, the Trinity, um, who Christ was, his deity, the work on the cross. We believe those things were brothers and sisters in Christ. That outer, that second ring of doctrine and theology, which then gets into doctrines of grace, uh, justification by faith alone, stuff like that. I think there's some room for disagreement there, mm -hmm. but still, hey, you're still on the team. Yeah. You're still on my, you know, still part of my tribe. But I feel in the Reformed community, that's almost a one-way street. We feel that way quite a lot about non-reformed but i tell you what you tell someone especially if you say the c word you tell someone you're a calvinist mm -hmm. which i don't even like using that word because it was like it wasn't even calvin really it was the bible and it was luther but where you tell them you're reformed i see them bristle a little bit yeah. and i don't know if that's a reputation that precedes or just the fact that this type of theology has has gotten so popular over the last right. five or eight years i mean you're seeing a resurgence of it Dude, I uh, when I first came back, I was I was honestly really into the NAR. Sure, know? I mean the, Todd White, man, I was like Todd White, right? Dude, man, this guy goes on the street. And NAR you know, is the like, uh, new, apostolic new apostolic reformation, reformation. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, and uh, you know, I mean, I I loved it. I mean Bethel and Dan Mahler, and and I still do. I still love those guys. Uh, sure, I do have some differences with uh, some of the teachings. But, um, you know, I, about, uh, six months into all of that, I got turned on to some, uh, reform teaching because okay. I wanted to know more about the little gods conversation. Sure. You know, little, we're all Christ. many Christ's yeah, or many gods. Yeah. Many yeah gods. Rooted can, in Eastern mysticism. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I really wanted to know more about that. And, um, but anyway, reform just kept showing up. In right. every YouTube video that I was I was looking up, and I wasn't even trying to look for people bashing it. I just wanted somebody to just teach it, you right. know. Because I mean, it, you know, there's it's one thing to have conversations with with uh, your brothers and sisters, you know, at at church um, or in your in your circles. But I mean, just to hear from from uh, the scholars or you know people that have been studying the word for you know their their entire life and really have dug in to the word um sure. uh, you know there's it's it's just it's it's great to put all of those into the melting pot you know of knowledge um uh, and to know more um just about scripture but 
anyway, yeah, reform teaching. I mean, I am completely um, just headed that way much more than anything now, but I sure. still, um, you know, like my, <laughs> I still have um, some of the, some of the supernatural um, tendencies, you know, that sure. I still lean towards, you know, um, uh, Matthew 10, healing the sick, raising the dead, you know, I mean, like, I, I mean, there's lines, sure. you know, where, you know, I, I do, I do draw for, certain lines for certain. For things, me, but. I, I, I think, and I think you mentioned this before, mm-hmm. a cautious continuation. Yeah, cautious continuation. Meaning, look at yeah. God, God is still working. Yeah. God is still yeah. moving. Yeah. The Bible clearly states that. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we have a difference in opinion when we're talking about like capital A apostle, lowercase a apostle, capital P prophet, the office of prophecy, right. prophet versus the gift of prophecy. That's an argument we can have. But absolutely, he does miracles. Absolutely, he's a supernatural God. Um, I'm just cautious about it yeah. because I see it a rampant abuse. Yeah, I mean, it. right right now, even during this COVID-19, uh, there was a prophet that said that um, it was going to be uh, destroyed by March 28th. Sure. Well, guess what? It's it's April, whatever it is, and <laughs> right. you know, it's still around. It's like, okay, so... How is that guy still called a prophet? Right. You know, if you read in Deuteronomy, these people yeah. were done away. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying do away with it, but you know, right. take them out of, take that word out of the front of that, you know, of his title. That right. Should, he shouldn't, you know, he can't get one prophecy wrong. You know, you, right. You just can't have, you know, that's not your batting average. Your batting average is supposed to be a thousand. It's a thousand. If you're a prophet, well, that's the standard that the Bible said, right? Is batting a thousand mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, it's uh yeah, it's 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 tough because well, even around here too. I mean, the online community of uh reformed is is awesome and there's so many great things coming from music to preaching to, you know, sermons and and churches. But I found around here there's not a whole lot of that, but which is really crazy because when I you know, even if you go like the five points of Calvinism or you mm-hmm. talk about the solas or you talk about the doctrines of grace, I ask most people, most of my friends, do you believe this? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, do you believe God's sovereign? Yes. He's in control over everything, which I always find funny is, you know, people who don't believe reform, but they're like, yeah. God is in control. He's right. on the throne. Well, what are you saying? Right. Is he in control of some things, all right. things? Well, is God sovereign? Oh, yes. No, so he's the, in control of all the things. The devil did the coronavirus. <laughs> the Rona. It, yeah. <laughs> devil did the rona uh yeah so you go through that you say okay uh you you know and and you go down list by list and most of these most christians and mature christians that i talk to they're like yeah i agree with everything you just said and i Mm -hmm. said well by that definition you're reformed you're technically right a calvinist right as they would say oh no no, I'm not that. Yeah, right, right. So it, I think a lot of people battle the same things that I battled, especially my age, because I think there was like a generational thing in the 80s and 90s with with that kind of stuff uh-huh. too. Um, I think they're battling a stigma of what it actually is. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's no, I just believe in the Bible. Right. I believe what the Bible says, uh-huh. you, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I even said it, I think I said it to you the other night, um, uh, you know, just about God's sovereignty. And I was like, I, I'm like 99.5% sure, you know, <laughs> you may have to speak into this, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's in control of this 
of, of the coronavirus. And then I started thinking about it. It's like, why would I even give the devil 0.5% credit for <laughs> right. something like that? You know, like it, it how sure. could, you know, like we give the devil too much, Absolutely, um, you know, and and it's uh, yeah, too much authority, I guess. But. I I found that uh, who's the there was a famous comic in the seventies, and I you know I wasn't alive then, but uh, I've heard people say there was a famous comic, and his punchline was "The devil made me do it." Hmm. Gosh, I can't remember his name, but it's such a it's such a cliche Christianese thing. Yeah, where we just go, oh well, the devil is attacking the devil, the devil, Satan's got yeah. a foothold, and it's like. How much of that is just you and your flesh? Right. Like Satan can only tempt, the Bible says. He physically can't make you do anything. Uh-huh. Uh, all he does is just hold up a mirror to your flesh and just go, hey, just give into it and right. do, what, do what your flesh wants to do. The natural state of rebellion against righteousness, holiness, and ultimately God. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think even then, you know, how I, I was saying earlier how people remove themselves from the stories. I think we remove ourselves, rationalization, right? Remove ourselves from our actions as well. Mm. Like, no, I'm pretty sure your flesh got you into this position. Right. Don't give Satan credit. <laughs> right. He's been given, you know, dominion over this earth, but he's he's defeated and, you know, uh, really not much of anything to look at. Yeah. Um, I was listening to, I think it was Dr. James White or maybe it was... Um, no, it might have been Piper, John Piper. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about even how Western Christianity has almost adopted this dualism type theology for good and evil, mm-hmm. like yin and yang, like black versus white, yeah, like uh, good versus evil. Like, you know, God's here and evil's here and they're warring. Right. But in and the end, God's going to win. They're and he's arm like, wrestling. They're yeah, arm yeah. wrestling. Yeah, and in, yeah. But in the end, God wins. And it's like, no, you have this little tiny speck. Yeah called the adversary and then you have a sovereign all-powerful omniscient all you know all everything god seated at the right hand of the father yeah you know right (laughs) in total control yeah there's not this dueling right there's there's this one thing that rebelled that even god will use to his glory Mm -hmm. that that's what the christian landscape looks like right the believer's landscape not this oh satan got me today but god's gonna get him tomorrow and oh i got you know i'm in a valley now but a blessing's coming and it's like this dueling good and evil it's like no um, you're held in the palm of his hands, uh-huh. but his sheep know his voice. Uh-huh. Uh, fr- you know, from my hand, you cannot be plucked. Like we serve an all powerful, all sovereign, amazing, righteous Lord. Yeah. And, and Satan is just an afterthought, right? You know, he, he's just the spirit of rebellion, the spirit of, of being an adversary and an accuser. Well, look, look at what Jesus said in the great commission. Yeah. All things in heaven and on earth have been yeah. given to me, you know? Yep. And uh, go therefore, and and teach you know that's awesome and it, and it's like wait a second he said he said everything right i mean yeah. so it's it's like why why do we why are we even having this conversation or the <laughs> you know like why are why are you putting up pictures online that have jesus and satan arm wrestling you know <laughs> right. it's it's i like, have seen those it's, too. it's like i mean you know it's like wait wait what like yeah i mean jesus created satan yeah you know well yeah. And, yeah, and I mean, it, it, you know, things and don't get visible me wrong. and invisible. I don't, Colossians I, 1. I know. don't have the whole evil thing uh, figured out either. Yeah. yeah okay? Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying I do. I watched a two-and-a-half-hour answer to a question by R.C. Sproul on who created evil, huh. and it was the most elegant, uh, wordsmith, uh, theological scholarly answer for two hours. He explained this, and at the end of it, I had no idea what he had just said. <laughs> right? I just went. I'm still so confused. It was like it was like 
putting yeah. my my brain in pretzel knots and then going, okay, get it, but I don't, but I do, but I don't. Hey. And so I, I don't know. It's 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 like eschatology. I mean, you know, you, you, you <laughs> right. sit there and you're like, oh, man, I'm I'm post mill. And then you hear different arguments and you're like, wait, maybe. I'm, right. You know, I mean, like, it, you know, you, you go you, you go a different direction. But yeah, man, I mean, listen to some of these guys talk. Dr. White. I mean, yeah. listen to him and Doug Wilson do a debate. Yeah. Is ridiculous. Right. I mean, like, I don't even know, like what they're talking about but it's it's so informative yeah. like you're just like just, i know they're me. saying something super cool <laughs> i'm gonna watch it again you know and like have a dictionary next to me so i can figure out what the crap they're saying yeah but uh, <laughs> and then i get up there and i'm like i don't know man I just think they're gonna be yeah, some yeah. sixes and some beasts <laughs> yeah. or something right right yeah, yeah we gotta be ready yeah man let's just uh you know i don't 42 know 42 months y'all 42 sorry for, months sorry for any southerners listening i don't yeah, know why i do sure it they, yeah, they'll be yeah how do they get out of that we're not you can't do like Chinese accents. You can't uh, yeah, do any accents, yeah. but you can still do Always a do southern, southern. draw yeah, to, yeah. to say like you're doing something dumb. Right. The poor right. Southerners. I mean, isn't that demeaning to but them? You know right? what's funny? I used to get made fun of when I was in when I was in the South. I was the one getting made fun of <laughs> for having the Yankee accent. Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah you and Dixie can go now, the other boy. Way. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. You know where you at? Oh, exactly, man. man. So. Better get back up there up north. <laughs> Uh, we ran you out once. Yeah, we'll yeah. do it twice. Yeah. I remember when I went down to South Carolina for my dad's business when I was young, and I ordered uh, a Coke, and he went, well, what kind of Coke? You want yeah, Coke? And I kind, said, yeah. no, I just want a Coke. And he said, well, like a Mountain Dew Coke? Uh-huh. Pepsi Coke? Right. I'm like, looking at my dad, and he's like, they call it Coke. Give me a Coke. I'm like, we call it Pop. Uh-huh. But, uh, but uh, you know, I've, I've switched to soda now. You say soda? I soda. Are you serious? I don't know why. I See, don't like pop anymore. My I don't like pop anymore. My stepmom's name is Soda. That's her nickname. She's she's Vietnamese. She has. I think her real name is Swan Soon. Okay. Um. But yeah. But she always wants to be called Soda. So yeah. So I I can't call pop soda around. Soda. I don't know. I just soda. About, hand me a soda. About three four years ago, it just felt so cheap to say pop give me a pop give me a pop i don't know i soda seems more mature i feel like no is it I just no it's man, just in my own head yeah so these are the battles i so have minnesota right <laughs> minnesota uh Wisconsin, well that too and i love saying right? minnesota yeah yeah <laughs> i i swear to you when i worked yeah. in retail and if someone came in uh-huh. and, and said they were from canada because in detroit and toledo market oh, you yeah, get people yeah. from canada uh-huh. quite often and I, it was like knee jerk. I just, ha- I just had to be like, "Oh, sorry." Did you say a? And I would say a, you and they the, looked oh, at me no. like, "You idiot!" You can't, you can't. And I felt like an idiot as soon as I said it. But it was like one of those things where I just had to right, do it. Right. I don't know why. <laughs> like that's the only thing I know about Canadians is they say sorry yeah. weird uh, to me. Gosh. You know? Yeah, yeah. But then you know when I was out west, I had people making fun of me and like, "What's what's up with the with the ah? Yeah, everything's ah with you. Mm. You know the car. You know they didn't but, car." <laughs> I guess this podcast has devolved into like accents. (laughs) (laughs) Do me, do me. How do I say words? Oh my gosh. Well, hey man, I'll tell you what, we're, we come up on about an hour and a half. Uh, Jason, it was great. Great having you here. I'm definitely going to have you back because when we get into it, you know, maybe we'll bring a couple other brothers in here too. That'd be great. Grab a couple more mics and we'll just have a free for all. Um, 
but thanks so much for being here. Um, do you have anything you gotta uh, you want to plug? Any plug or promote? Hey, or you know, guys, uh, go grab a ten-year-old album or something. You know, yeah, yeah. Get a, catch scratch track on iTunes, YouTube. <laughs> you know, we're out there still. We're on all the all the platforms. I think I will say this though: if you find him on Facebook, Jason Hamlin, he does post some of the best memes. Hey, yeah, come on by, <laughs> stop on by, man. Oh my gosh, that that. Uh, we just did that um, four things or whatever. Uh, Mandy had me do it today. Oh, she, they're going around. I did yeah, one too. I mean, I, you know, we're we're self quarantined. We're we're at home. We're yeah. you know, I'm I'm not super bored actually. Like I I got a lot going on. I mean, yeah, we just had a baby, too. you know. And I mean, I'm you know, I'm always in the word. I'm always on YouTube. I'm always how old is she? Reading. Uh, nine weeks. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, man. So that's a lot of fun. Have. Fun oh over the next couple gosh, years. Man. I'm ready. I'm surprised you got I, out of the house, I, man. I, oh, dude. I mean, right. Like I told you, right before, uh, right before I left, we had a, a little accident right there in the in the kitchen. She yeah. She no, kind I get of lost it. her milk. And yeah. I had to wipe that up. But uh, but yeah, man. No, she's it. It's awesome. I mean, being at home during this time has been so great. Such a blessing. So uh, yeah, it is crazy yeah. how those uh, quizzes are popping up again now. Yeah, it's like while we're quarantined, we're like, let me log on to this right, website right. where I talk about myself and I'll do a quiz about myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, then yeah. she give it to all my friends, <laughs> which I I did one too. Totally so right, right. Myself. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm so interesting. Of course, someone uh-huh. will want to know about some celebrity well, I did or didn't meet. Right, right. No, oh yeah, I saw no that one. Cares. one. I did. No see one that cares. One. Right, right. <laughs> Only I care. Yeah. I. Oh, yeah. Who's the most famous know. person you ever met? Um, Jean Claude. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> dude, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I, I was. Who's, in the, I was in the same bar as Angelina <laughs> Jolie. Yeah. Maybe you heard of her. Yeah. Um. Uh. And right that before means- she was there, uh, Denzel Washington was sitting at my table. Um. <laughs> no bigs. Um, right. Yeah. I don't know, man. We were always around. Around. Uh, somebody that was right i say always like like we were right. super famous right we weren't super famous i mean we we opened for some cool bands and we were uh we were around some some cool people i guess but everybody's a cool person and, you know we were talking about that the other day like yeah. people are it, it doesn't matter who they are people are just people you know you, yeah. you don't have to um uh yeah be nervous that angelina jolie is sitting there you can just walk up to her and be like hey how's it going if she's not cool then you know that sucks i was having in 2005 i was in los angeles with three other buddies we're sitting at a starbucks on sunset Mm -hmm. we're sitting out on the patio we're getting into a deep discussion on mel gibson passion of the christ because Mm -hmm. it had just come out Uh like the year before like maybe you know just six months before and i mean we're like my my one buddy's a producer and the one buddy's a director and they're like is Jim Caviezel the right guy to play it and yes he was and I'm totally in favor uh-huh. for it of it and the other guy doesn't like Mel Gibson and and the other guy was said it was too Catholic and the right we're just having this like weird discussion yeah. and this and this guy is facing away from us but like right at the next table we're out in like those like uh, wrought iron kind of chairs and he just leans back and he's like uh, I think Jim did a pretty good job in it. And we look over, and it's Jim Caviezel. Oh, really? No lie. <laughs> he and heard our, the entire conversation. He listened to the whole thing, that waited for awesome. 20 minutes, and, dude, we sat there and talked to him for 15 <laughs> minutes. He was the coolest guy. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. You know, he's like, well, I figured I was 33. My initials were JC, so it was time to do the movie. He, yeah. he, and that was a quote like that he said, all like, right. all the time, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
that was probably one of the coolest ones, just in the way that he totally snuck attack, sneak attacked yeah. our uh, conversation, our that convo, is... just eavesdropped, and then just leaned back and was like, I think he did pretty good. Much better than my Angelina Jolie story. But... I saw Julia Roberts once. I ran in front of her car. <laughs> like You the, got hit the, by her car? The lights. We she were, hit you? We were in L.A. Well, almost. So, like, we were in L.A. The light had just turned green, and we just, ran, like, booked across the, <laughs> across the road. <laughs> And she like looked at us and went, "What? What are you doing?" You know. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, Julia Roberts. And then we Mark ha- McGrath. <coughs> Where'd you all these famous? Did you play with him? Because that was around the. Was no, he still? We were born in the mid to late two thousands, or no? Yeah, he might have been. Sugar Ray days were like late nineties. Yeah, we. I think we were playing the Viper Room that night, and they and he was like just hanging out. How was I think that? There was a tower. That's record. an iconic. Iconic place yeah, to man. play, right? Viper Room was was Doesn't really. Doesn't Johnny Depp own that or something, yeah. or like had some part ownership uh-huh. in it? Yeah, Viper Room was really rad. Yeah, um, yeah man, we we played tons of venues. But, we uh, went we went to uh, it was like a Wednesday night. Uh, it was nine dollar beer night in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> like forty year old. Oh, that's a special. Joke. That's a special. Yeah, <laughs> twelve ounce, like, right? Yeah, twelve. Yeah, perfect. It was so. It was you know we're all broken from Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, we go to this bar and there's like eight people in it, and then we're sitting all at like one table, just us four guys, mm-hmm. and in walks this guy and like Luke Wilson, hmm. and this was right off of uh, old school. Okay. So he was still like in everyone's mind, yeah, like yeah. Um, uh, you know the the less famous Wilson brother, uh-huh. Owen Wilson's little brother, right? So he walks in, he sits down, he must be with his agent, and all three of the, my buddies who live in Los Angeles are like, "Oh my gosh, that's Luke Wilson!" Yeah, yeah. Oh, should we say? And I go, "It's just a dude, right?" right? I go over there and talk to him, like, "No, don't, don't." So I walk up to him, like, "Hey, man, saw your movie, look good." And he goes, "Hey, oh, you from around here?" I said, "No, I'm from Detroit, man." Uh, I said I didn't even recognize you, but my buddy said, you know, but I did see the movie and it was good. Pull, sit on down, yeah. Well, I'll buy you a beer. So we pull up a chair at the bar. Now that I'm sitting there having a beer, now they all come over. Yeah. Oh, hey, oh, man! Yeah, I, yeah. Right, had to break the ice with them. Mm. But it was so funny because it was another interaction where he was just like, didn't overstare, welcome, talk to him for five minutes, just a dude. Yeah. That happens to make movies. Right. It was funny when uh, they left though. He got into like a. Uh, I think got into like a really nice Porsche Boxster, and the guy he was with, who was his agent, got into like an '88 Corolla. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It was like such a contrast. Like, well, we definitely That's see who's making so the money awesome. in that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, it was great though, but I guess you got to keep up appearances. Oh yeah, man, definitely. But yeah, that's always been my thing. Is uh, I've never really been starstruck. You know, I I think about it now. I'm like, you know, the if the only people that would really like make me be like. Ee! Probably reform teachers like yep, like James White. Like if I yeah. met James White, I'd be like, oh, 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 oh. It'd probably know, be that for so me stupid. for Chandler. Really? Yeah, yeah Matt. Because yeah. I, I Instagram Chandler and I said, hey, uh, I'm happy that uh, you'll never be on Preachers and Sneakers. Oh, Have you ever seen that Instagram yeah. account? Uh-huh. I said, but if I start one called Preachers and Polos, yeah. it's just going to be 800 images of you. <laughs> And he said, thanks, man. And I went, oh, my list complete. Matt Chandler just commented oh, back to me so on Instagram. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, probably it'd be like him or, um, oh, who was the, this is the weirdest one. So like for like eight or nine years, I was really into NASCAR. Okay. Like camping out at MIS every year for oh, a week. Gosh. Like the races, the pit yeah. crews, like got to know the drivers, the whole thing. Right. Oh. And I ran this Twitter account that like just blew up overnight. 
like like half a million followers. I called it NASCAR hard card, which okay. a hard card means you can go anywhere in the race. Oh, okay. You're basically crew. Uh-huh. And I worked for NBC for like two years and got to do all the NASCAR races, you know, <laughs> drove around Dale Jr. and stuff like gotcha. that. Gotcha. So uh, I'm I'm always in that. The NASCAR community is huge on uh-huh. Twitter. Like they, they do everything on Twitter and they were like early adopters of Twitter, like the drivers and stuff. The the president of the racetrack would always retweet me or give me information of MIS, right? And I'd go there every year. So this guy was kind of like, I never met him, but he was the president of the track. Uh, he would always like DM me, hey, good job, right? And so it was like this weird thing to where like I looked up to him because yeah. he was kind of like the president of my home track in NASCAR that I was really into, uh-huh. but no reason to like have any type of like celebrity. He's just right. the guy who's running a, the Michigan International Speedway, right? But in my mind, it was like, I don't know, he was just built up. He was up. somebody more, He was somebody. Yeah. He was like built up. He was in the industry. He was uh, always hanging out with drivers and owners and right. So like, like six months ago, I go to uh, a meeting. Uh, I sit on the board of the Business Development Corp. Okay. This guy walks in and I go, man, he looks familiar. Now this was, this was 2005 and six okay. and seven and eight. So this is 10 plus years ago going on 15 years ago this guy walks in like he looks kind of familiar i've probably seen him around he sits down he's like oh i'm the new vice president of consumers energy um before that i was the track president at michigan international speedway Mm. i was like dude (laughs) (laughs) i interrupted him i said do you remember me nascar hardy's he's like yeah we never met we used to tweet each other and we had this whole moment in front of like bank presidents Uh and like all these leaders of monroe county and we geeked out on nascar (laughs) for like five minutes and i was just like i'm not just saying this i don't get like starstruck that often but like you were like the guy the dude in this like five-year period of my life where i was just (laughs) all in on racing you know and it came full circle now he's not even doing that anymore he's like you know doing something for consumers energy but that was one of the funnest ones that yeah. I say it was a, it wasn't really a celebrity, but it was like someone that I you know looked up to, and then now he's sitting on the board with me. That's so funny. Yeah, and he's not even doing that. But. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I think we're gonna wrap it up. Yeah. You got anything else you want to add before we go? Um. <laughs> Jesus is real. No, that is true. He's real and he's alive. <laughs> I appreciate you being here, man, and just hanging out yeah. and having a conversation. I'm sure you'll be back. And like I said, maybe Love we'll it. get some other guys in here too. But uh, guys, if you want to check us out on uh, Instagram, it's Deadman Walking Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, all the same names. Be sure to check back on those social media accounts. We'll be doing uh, video updates of this conversation and more. And the first uh, in the podcast will be coming out uh, every two weeks and probably going to be releasing them on Wednesday. If any of that changes, I'll let you know. All right. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips, or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.